Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk about the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. This week, we'll be talking about the season premiere of The Bachelorette, Miley and Noah Cyrus's performance on MTV Unplugged, and the paparazzi photos of Billie Eilish that were trending this week. Let's discuss. So this is a sad episode. Why? This is a somber episode because we are back on our bullshit, but not in a good way. We are back on Zoom. I'm glad to be doing what we know and love because we really fucked it up. Like, last week was so much sadness, so much denial, anger, just... It was all the stages of grief. It was, yeah. It, like, we really, we really legitimately went through every single stage because I can't explain enough how much of a high I was on after our episode. Like, after we recorded in person, that whole day, I was just, like, on cloud nine, feeling so alive and so happy and just, like, all, I mean, because of the episode, but also just to be with you again. But I legitimately thought it was going to be our best episode yet which content-wise, I think it was, but then when we listened to the audio, I've never felt such denial and then sheer disappointment in my life. Yeah, shame was another one. Shame was a big one. (laughs) Embarrassment. How hard would it have been for us to Google, like, what setting would have been the best for the situation that we were in, being in person, because we were switching it up. We were like, should we use one mic and share that, because it'll be just easier to make sure that, like, everything is tip-top solid, but then we didn't. We just said, you know what, let's just... Let's we just, just watched, watch into the no, we watched one YouTube video, and we're like, that's it. <laughs> that's the only resource we have. No, it was such a dark time. I'm, and it's funny, like, it's funny because when we stopped recording, I was like, holy shit, that was fire. And then when I listened back, I was like, oh my God, we are talking so fast. We are yelling into the microphone. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> not great. <laughs> and before the episode, you told me, you were like, we need to not yell because <laughs> we're in person and we're on one mic. So it's going to be even louder than it would be on Zoom because Zoom kind of like cuts it out sometimes. So you were, you even told me, you were like, we need to be careful that we don't be, like scream the entire episode. But unfortunately, we did. It was also just really upsetting because I just feel like podcasters make it seem so easy. They do. Where is a tutorial? It's not. I mean, not to not to be like, my life is so hard, but it's so hard. <laughs> this anyway, project is taking years off my life. Honestly, it's no longer a passion project. <laughs> yeah, this is work. We yeah. are not having fun anymore. We are getting down to business. Except for it's, making... a, it's an unpaid internship. This is literally the definition of an unpaid internship. We're working so hard for zero money and sometimes really shitty product. Like we're we're providing like like half good content that we're like presenting to our fake intern boss and then half just really shitty content that we're just like scraping by on. It's fine. (laughs) Whatever. It takes me back. Um, okay, so should we get into the question of the day really quick? Yes, let's do this. And it, you know, it's going to sound like this one is a sensitive subject, but it's not. I assured, I reassured Audrey that it's not. And yeah, just to 
just to set the record straight, this idea for the question of the day was Emily's idea. So I just want to make that clear because if, if it wasn't clear, it would sound like I was trying to one up. Absolutely roast me. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. question of the day is, where do you work unless you're unemployed? <laughs> Which I didn't even see until just now as I read it. But Emily thought that it would be interesting for kind of her side of followers to know more about me and what I do, you know, 40 hours a week. And also like fully joking, obviously Emily is unemployed right now, but that's because her previous job was a really amazing internship that she will talk about, but it's definitely something to be proud of and also ties into the story of how we stopped being roommates. So maybe you can tell that story, but I'll just go first because mine's pretty quick. I work at (laughs) a digital marketing agency called Avenue, which is in Portland. And um, I started working here. Let's see. I I got an internship at Avenue right after graduation. And it was like a, I don't even remember how, I think it was three, three to six months or something. And I did that for six months. And then I asked if they had room for full time, (laughs) if they could hire me. And they hired me in January of 20, January of 2019, 19. yeah, 2019. Yeah. And what do we do? We do like SEO, we do social media stuff, we do Google ads, and there's only three of us at the company. So it's like a really interesting dynamic. It's never something that I thought that I would be involved in. I always made the joke that I want to be like a cog in the machine Like I didn't want the responsibility of being high up. A lot of people have told me that I would make a great business owner and I just, I want nothing less than to be a business owner. (laughs) I do not want that responsibility. I just want to make money and have babies and live my best life. And podcast. Yeah, and podcast as a soccer mom. So, but anyways, it was just funny when I joined Avenue because there's so much responsibility being a company of three people. And it's been really amazing. I, I could see myself being there for the long haul. So yeah. And their, their office is the cutest space ever. It's on the best street in Portland. It's so like, there's natural light, there's plants everywhere, even though they're kind of dead now, but there was a big update that you had in your company in regards to your office. Yeah, we, we might be going full work remote. We haven't been in the office since March. Um, my boss had a baby and it was just more healthy to stay as separate as possible just for her and her new family. So yeah, I mean, I'm kind of excited for that next chapter too, because it might mean that I can go wherever, it can mean that James can go wherever, and I can still keep the job that I really love. So yeah. Even if it's New York, how great would that be? I do not want to move to New York. Although that would be so (laughs) weird, living in New York, because then I would be doing Western time. So if you live in New York and you're working West Coast time, then would you, you would start at like 11 every day? I guess I could just work really early. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You would be working from like noon to 8 p.m. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess you can just be working like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. New York time. Like the normal New York time, but then you have to be on call during the work hours during the work day. Anyway, whatever. That's not going to happen because I'm not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. So get over it. <laughs> okay, Emily. Throw that dream in the trash. 
Um, and let me just say before I start talking about mine, Audrey is so good at what she does. It's like actually ridiculous. Avenue is the luckiest to have her. She helped me with so many things when I was at Nike, when we were living together, I had to create this one pager to apply to this job and it had to be super creative. And I thought I was creative and then I started working on this and I found out I'm not. So Audrey has helped me with so many just random projects. She's so good at what she does. I was even freelancing a couple months ago and this guy asked me to help him with SEO and I was like, oh no, I've never, I've never treaded those waters before. And Audrey, I, I didn't even have to call her and ask. I sent her one picture over text and she was like, here's what you do. I was like, how do you know this? Don't I have to explain the whole project to you? So she is a talented, talented boss lady. Thanks, even though she's I'm a boss not. babe. Yeah, you're a boss babe. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so luckily I can also be fully remote um, because I don't have a job right now. Um, but no, I, <laughs> I can very briefly cover uh, what I've done the last year. So basically, when I was living with Audrey, the good old days, working at Nike full time, I applied to the page program at NBC, which if anybody has seen uh, the show 30 Rock, that is Kenneth the Page. He is in the page program. And that is partially what I do. It's like half accurate, half not at all. So essentially I had applied to that my senior year of college, did not get in to no one's surprise. And I was just kind of feeling, you know, some FOMO and some, I don't know, I'm a pretty competitive person. So I was a little salty that I didn't even get an interview for it. And so essentially I applied last February when Audrey and I were living together. And I somehow got a video interview and I was like, great that I made it to the next stage, but there's no way in hell I'm going to, you know, get moved on past that. And then I did, and I made it to the final panel interview, which was in 30 Rock with, I think, seven, six or seven other people. And it was three hours. And I was like, there's simply no way. And I think that was on a Thursday. I flew back to Portland that weekend. And then that Monday morning, I got an email that I'd gotten the job and I had a full on breakdown. Audrey can attest to this. I considered for a second turning it down because I was so sad. Like I was, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. I was so excited because it was like a dream come true. But also I was just so in shock and denial because I genuinely did not think I would get into this program. And also I did not want to leave Portland because I loved my job at Nike. I loved my roommates. I loved my friends that I had made. I just loved Portland. And yeah, I was scared to also move across the country because I didn't really know anybody other than my cousin. So uh, it was definitely probably the same stages of grief getting that job, but I moved out there uh, last May and essentially, yeah, it's just a one year rotational program. So the first three months are kind of Kenneth the Page responsibilities. You're giving the tours of 30 Rock, you're working audience services for the late night shows, and then you get three three month rotations. So I did... Um, some time in ad sales and uh, social media for Weekend Today. And then I did uh, USA Brand Marketing, working on their strategy, media, and promotions for like The Biggest Loser, which was lit. And then I wrapped up my page year at The Today Show. So I did um, their, I helped on their virtual plaza with their associate plaza producer, who is the best person on the face of the earth. So it was truly a one of a kind opportunity. I think about it all the time. Like how the hell did I get into this? People will ask me, like, I've, I've just had a couple UW alum reach out and be like, Oh, you know, how did you get into this program? And you know, any, any tips for applying? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like I did not do anything special. I have no clue how I weaseled my way in, but I am so grateful for it. And yeah, I'm excited to see 
hopefully what job I get in the near future. But I'm, I've been interviewing for a few. Audrey has had to deal with my ups and downs. I've already gotten a few rejections, but we are hanging in there, baby. Yeah, but it's cool that, I mean, that experience that you had opened up so many doors and the things that you're interviewing for are amazing. And like, it only takes one for your whole life to like go down the path you want. Like Emily really, I think your passion is in like entertainment right now, right? And like, you kind of have always known that, but like getting the page thing was, I feel like it was the door for you to actually make that dream a reality, which is fucking cool. And when me and Nadia and Emily were all living together and she was going through this process, me and Nadia were just like, oh my fucking God, like she's going to get it. She's going to be that bitch that gets it. And Emily had literally zero faith in herself. Like she just was like, oh, it's good experience. And then when she got the interview in New York, she was like, oh, it'll be a fun trip. I'll visit my cousin and it'll be really good. And when she was in New York, me and Nadia were like, we need to prepare. Like, we need to prepare for the worst, which was Emily getting the job. <laughs> which we were so happy for her. But oh my gosh, there was so much sadness in the air because we were so like content. And we met Emily like as complete strangers when we first moved in together. And so when we got really close like that, it was like, it's really hard to see you go. But we, we had a good thing going. We did have a good thing going. And also you had a good thing going. Like you had such a squad of friends that you had made from Nike. Yeah. Emily randomly became, Emily worked with my freshman year roommate at Nike and they became really close. And so like I already had known her and they kind of would hang out all the time. And it was just a great vibe. And then she but had- we all- we all got to get sushi burritos together last weekend, so yeah, we did. That's how we survived. But yeah, it was it was quite the roller coaster. It was. I don't think I've ever cried so much. I, I cried I've so never much. Seen you cry, I don't think until then. But I'm glad that it happened for you. Even though sometimes I still miss those days, I, I look back at them fondly and I cherish those memories. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, no, every, okay. <laughs> <Now> <laughs> we're we're ourselves. This is why we we started adding timestamps for any new listeners that might walk through our door that are like, I don't give a fuck about what you do for work. <laughs> like, where's the batch recap? So let's get started. Emily, take it away. So last week, The Bachelorette finally premiered. Claire Crawley met her 31 men, and we basically just have three things we need to cover today. Her dress how they addressed COVID and Dale. It just seems like Bachelor is stuck in like the 2000s sometimes. Other than the whole influencer movement and that dress was one of the worst I've seen. I just And Chris Harrison was stuck in the early 2000s because he looked like he did in the early 2000s. <laughs> he definitely got some filler. He looked literally 25 years old. I was texting Audrey being like, he looks younger than me. And, but no, the dress, the dress reminded me actually of a handbag that I had in, I think, fifth or sixth grade. It was like silver and shiny. And I carried it everywhere with me after I got out of my like tomboy phase. And I think I got it from Justice or it was one of those, one of those stores and her dress looked exactly like that. Listen, like it wasn't the best dress I've ever seen. It reminds me of kind of I don't know if you had this at your high school. Well, you probably, well, I don't know, because you had a really small high school, right? <laughs> I but probably did it. When we went to high school, there in the time period that I did, which was in 2010 to 2014, there was like a trend where you go to this specific dress shop in Spokane called Viner's Keepers. 
and they had these really honestly ugly like they were just ugly dresses but everybody got their dresses from there oh my god I actually have a dress I'll post it it's it it doesn't look like that but it's like a similar vibe where it's just like so tacky and horrible and I don't even know so wait I got my prom dress senior year from Finders Keepers and it's pink and floofy and blingy. Oh my god, we should post our pictures. Oh my god, okay. Because okay. Explain, the one that I'm thinking of, I actually got two dresses from Finders Keepers. They were both homecoming dresses. And the first one was like red and they were so A-line, it hurts. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like tie it on the boob and then flare, like serious flare situation happening underneath there. And then... And it had a little neck detail. It was, it was honestly cute. Like, it was age appropriate and it was fine. But then, oh my God, it took a dark turn. I believe this was my junior year homecoming dress, which was very seriously just a blue sequined bra, like <laughs> actually, with blue pleated, like, what do you call it? Um, fuck. I don't remember what the material is called, but it's like, it was pleated. And then it just was straight down. And the bra was too small for me because I didn't understand, like, cup sizes. But it was a bra. Like, it was – I'm embarrassed looking back at those photos. Like, why didn't anybody tell me? And I specifically remember that dress I bought in a panic because everybody had their perfect homecoming dress. And I was like, let me just go get something from Finders Keepers. And I know it'll be a win because it was from Finders Keepers. (gasps) It was bad. Those were some dark times trying to find the perfect dress because that was a lot of – pressure it was so I imagine yeah you would imagine that Claire had better resources than finders keepers well what I was gonna say is that imagine that Claire probably felt a similar pressure because she is the oldest bachelorette which is you know the big everybody has their thing like their Colton was the virgin Pete was the sex in a windmill and Claire is the oldest bachelorette and so what I would have had loved to seen was like a real elegance, like something really sleek and like form fitting because she has such an amazing bod and just like elegance, kind of Kardashian elegant, which I can't believe I just said that, but they kind of <laughs> do exude elegance these days, especially Kim. I would have loved to have seen that. I just, I'm not sure what was happening with the dress. I think it was, may have been chosen in a panic and I, I don't blame Claire for that, but it wasn't great. No. And you know what? The guys seem to love it, which of course they're going to love it. So that's all that matters. And we're not trying to shit on her too much, but it, it just had to be briefly addressed because it was the first thing we saw and we were just like, oh, sweetie, no, no, yeah. no, no. It was hard to see. So at the beginning of the episode, we we were curious what that would look like because we didn't know if it was going to, you know, if, if it was going to come on the TV and it would just be the men coming out of the limo, boom, let's get right into it. But instead they spent the first, what was it, half hour just yeah. talking about COVID and I don't how think it's they a- had enough content. That's what yeah, for, yeah, yeah. They probably had to, but I I was so bored by it, and the way that they went about it was so cheesy. I liked how a lot of the guys, you know, even told Claire and said in their interviews, you know, we're taking off even more time for the show, so that really shows our commitment. And I'm like, you thirst traps would take off a year if you had to be, like, if you had to for The Bachelorette. Like, don't act like taking a couple more months out of your quarantine is going to affect anything, except for the one guy that had a kid, but he's sketchy anyway, so. I just really want to see somebody own up to the fact that The Bachelor is not what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago almost, 
And we all know that you're coming on here for fame and maybe you'll fall in love. Like and maybe I would love for somebody to just be really open with that. Or like, you know what? Like, instead of saying I'm here for fame, because that definitely comes off a little bad, but being like, being on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette is actually an incredible opportunity and something that I couldn't pass up. And if I fall in love with Claire in the process, then that's great. But I am so tired in the year of 2020 and on. I no longer want to hear, oh, he's not here for the right reasons, because that is just blue hockey. <laughs> it's so, that phrase is so triggering at this point, and I'm over it. It's not even, it, you know, when it became kind of their unofficial tagline almost, and it was always used in their Instagram captions yeah. and all the promos. It was funny for a little bit when we were like, oh, they're onto something, and oh, they really got it, got a good tagline that all their fans use. It's, I'm so over it. It's so outdated. It's not funny anymore. And yeah, everybody is not there for the right reasons at this point. Everybody's just trying to get famous and maybe they'll fall in love and then we'll be happy for them. I also am like, okay, when Taisha comes in, are they going to use the same mans? Because that's going to be weird for Taisha. And also, I don't know how old she is, but are they going to, I don't even know what the age gap looks like for The Bachelor or for the men that are in The Bachelor, but that's just going to be so weird. Like all of the men are like, oh, new chick. Okay, great. <laughs> I guess I'll see this through. So if I make it further, I can get more followers, more sponsorships. I don't know. That's another thing we wanted to talk about is when will Tasha arrive? Because the whole Dale scenario, let's just start from when they met. As soon as Claire, here's, here's my question for all our listeners. Was it staged when she was like, oh, oh my God, I think I just met my husband and like started freaking out. And then Chris Harrison appears and is like, Claire, did, did you just say you met your husband? Like, it was so dramatic the way, I mean, it would have been one thing for her to say that because I'm sure bachelorettes have said that in the past, like, oh, wow, you know, I really had a connection with that one or, oh, I have a good feeling about that one. But why did Chris Harrison have to also appear and just reiterate, did you just say husband? Like, it's so forced and... No, I actually think that was real because... They had never, like what he had said, no one has ever said that as soon as they met somebody. And I'm pretty sure Chris is just like standing, you know, watching everything go down so he can jump in at any moment's notice, you know? Yeah. But the thing about the Dale thing is like right before they showed the clip of her meeting Dale, it was her talking about how she always goes after the wrong guy and they're always, you know, not with her for the right reasons and not like a good match for her. And she always like her picker is off. So why is it that when you see Dale walk out of the limo and he says all but 10 words or less to you that he and then he goes in like they have a hug. He goes inside and she goes, he's everything that I've been looking for. Bitch, do you even know his name? Like, what? <laughs> that was the funniest part to me. Is it? If he would have delivered this beautiful <laughs> monologue about, you know, why he's right for Claire and why she's the woman for him. But yeah, he said literally 10 words or less and that did it for her. That sealed the deal. And I think Dale is straight coasting. Like he doesn't have to do Jack now. No, and he knows it. He knows it. And what's really interesting is I was surprised because the whole thing of like, oh, Claire 
Le Claire's leaving, Tasha's going to take her place. Those were all rumors. And Bachelor does a more more of interacting with kind of the fan accounts, the spoiler accounts, the paparazzi, that kind of thing than they've ever done before. Like I was surprised that they had gone the route of basically telling us that that is what's going to happen and we just have to wait and see like how it happens because I was anticipating them giving us the preview with no mention of Tasha or like no, cause there's all those teasers about Claire saying she, or Chris Harrison being like you're gonna ruin The Bachelor and blah 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 so I found that interesting because all of the Tasha stuff was just rumors but I think Bachelor is doing more of integrating what The Bachelor has become as a pop culture community outside of just this show that airs once a week for you know half a year so that was an interesting choice because now it's like okay I don't want to really invest in any of these people or any of these relationships because I know that they're going to end. So I really hope that this whole Claire thing doesn't go on for too long because we all know that it's going to get switched up soon anyways. But it looks like when Tasha comes in, based on the previews, that there's still a ton of men left when Claire... I mean, I'm guessing she just says, I want to be with Dale and then leaves. That's what it seems like, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. But I just, I agree. I hope that... I just want them to wrap it up. Like, I, that's why we're not even going to cover, like, oh, let's talk about the guys. Because we don't know if these guys are going to be sticking around. And second of all, we know they're not ending up with Claire if they don't. So I am on the same page where it's not worth getting invested in any of these men. We know exactly what's going to happen. And I'll get more invested when Tasha walks in the door. But I really will be annoyed if come tomorrow, or I guess today, if you're listening to this, tonight, tonight on The Bachelorette, but I will be annoyed if they're showing Claire going on all these dates, and then by the end of the episode, it's still another preview for, oh, next week, when she's still going on dates, and more drama about potentially leaving The Bachelorette. Like, we yeah. all know it's happening, just get to the point, because also, Tasha needs the time. Like, I don't want this season to go on for seven months. Like, let's get Claire out. We know she's happy. Everybody knows they're still together. Good for them. I'm excited to see what happens. But, like, let's get Tasha in here and give her her moment. We don't need to waste her time. Yeah, I really hope that The Bachelor took notes from the whole fence-jumping situation because we watched fence-jump trailers for, like, five weeks before we actually got to see the fence-jump. And we don't need that to be happening. Like, they're really priming us to think that we're going to be seeing Tasha by, like, episode three. And, I mean, the first couple episodes are notoriously boring because you have to get to know the guys. And the first episode is honestly the worst because you there's 30 of them. So you can't even get more than two minutes per guy. And they spent the first 30 minutes talking about COVID. So it's really just introductory. Like, there's not really much going on. But there's always juice. And there will be juice down the line. And I'm incredibly looking forward to all the conversations we will have because it's hard to think of tea sometimes when no tea is being spilled but there's always going to be tea about the bachelor and we will always be covering it in our weekly pods so i'm excited for that and into that is there anybody you can think of from the premiere that is on the wrong side i mean claire right now <laughs> but i mean i i don't want to shit on claire because I, I actually think she's totally innocent you know i think she really wants to find love but I don't know if she's great for TV. She's really, really hard to stand, and I don't know why. I think it's just, you know, even on Juan Pablo's season, 
she gets really passionate and I respect that about her, but it's really hard to watch. It's just really cringy and I feel badly because I don't think she's a bad person, but I think she probably gets a lot of hate because of the way that she's kind of perceived. And it's like, she can't help it, but it's just, I don't know. So I want the best for her, but I'm not, you know, Emily and I are not above constructive criticism. Exactly. And she can remove herself from the wrong side if she gets out of the show at the end of next week's episode. I mean, that's really on the Bachelor side. She can't help that. But I do think, like, you know, if she dates Dale, if it's only, like, two weeks or something goes by and she's like, I found my husband. I mean, I think she's kind of on the wrong side because there's also the idea that a lot of the bachelors and past bachelorettes have explained that they knew who the person was really early on but you did sign a contract. I'm not sure what the contract states, but I would imagine that it has something like you agree to seeing this through, like no matter what, you know what I mean? Because I know that Colton kind of had to do that. They have to bank on being able to have enough content to create a show. And so I think that's what, I think there must be something in the contract that causes the bachelors and bachelorettes to get to that point where they just start acting towards the end because they already know who the winner is, but they know that they are still, you know, tied up in this engagement that they have to see through to the end, which is shitty. But like almost every bachelor talks about that experience where it's like they knew who the winner was. So then they're just working on trying to make sure that the other ones don't feel like they were let on. But it's like, you can't just be like, hey, like, in in the fantasy suite, like, I'm not going to pick you (laughs) because that just sucks, too. It's a really hard position. I I truly think that's a a problem they're going to have to solve. Hopefully, in their next, you know, quarterly annual meeting, they can figure out how the fuck to fix that because Nick Vial, who has a podcast and he has a lot of bachelor, bachelorettes, you know, all the kinds of people, he constantly is talking about it because he knows that's that's why he has his followership is through The Bachelor. So he he has a sex and dating and life podcast, but he will mention The Bachelor when there's enough news. And he talks about how there are like, he is so grateful for The, the Bachelor because he's been on the franchise like on three separate different, he's been on Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette and Bachelor, but that he thinks that there are a lot of things that have to change in order for it to like, you know, come into the 20th century. Like The Bachelor started filming in 2002. And things are just different now. Like one of his arguments is that the bachelor should have input on who they select for the cast. Yes, which is crazy that it's not already a thing. Because it makes total sense because then that makes it harder for the bachelor too. Like if they're selecting people whose interests they all enjoy, then that makes a more interesting TV show, which is his argument. Like I get more of a say, I get a bigger, you know, a larger pool of actual prospects and I'm going to give you better TV because it's probably going to be harder for me to move on to every single next week if it's all these women who I'm like extremely interested in. Exactly. If they choose 30 women who are all their type or close to it, that's going to be really great versus, you know, maybe there's one or two people that fit the mold of the person they imagine themselves with. You know, I don't know. Exactly. No, it, it definitely needs to change. And I thought it was interesting because we posted a poll saying, you know, asking everybody, are you going to watch The Batch tonight? Da, da, da. And I feel like usually people are really excited and everybody, and especially because we've waited so long for this to happen. I, I thought everybody, it'd be 100% yes, everybody's really excited. But it did seem like a lot of people actually didn't watch it. 
that are usually the super fans. And I think, yeah, The Bachelorette and The Bachelor are just kind of coming to this crossroads where people are starting to get tired of it because it is the same thing over and over and over. And they need to make changes or at least like change the storyline. So the producers just need to pick better content to air. I don't know, but it, it does seem like the last few seasons have just been sort of meh. I think they think that they, you know, they've been, there's such a long standing show that there probably is a lot of fear for change, but things have to change. Like just even the diversity on the cast. Like I know that's something that they, they were kind of under fire this year, especially after um, the murder of George Floyd and Rachel Lindsay started speaking out once because a lot of she finally felt like she had a platform because people finally started to care about diversity and all this stuff. And so Bachelor is like resistant to that change because, you know, they've been doing it one way for so long. The the white supremacy way, sorry to say it, but it's true. And now they have to make some changes, some really hard changes, but it's change that is for the good. And I think they're going to drown if they don't catch up and test some things out, like do something different and see if it works. Like you don't have to be married to anything but like they, switching the bachelorette. So hopefully they don't mess this right. up. <laughs> but they do need to start evolving because it's it's totally. starting to feel archaic. <laughs> yeah. Like the same season over and over and over. Even during the premiere when what's his name? It was a Tyler C, the off-brand, the Walmart version of Tyler C. Yeah. <laughs> was like, this man was D. I mean, my friend, like, we're over that. Like, it, stop. I mean, if it if it is it true, probably they're all trash, but like we don't care and we know that Claire's not gonna pick either of you anyway so just shut up yeah that was so crazy to me like oh he dms someone on facebook or on instagram okay well we're in a pandemic and they didn't even know who the bachelor was bachelorette was gonna be so like I, who the <laughs> fuck cares i don't care wait one more moment that i don't i this shouldn't have made me laugh as hard as it did but when i forgot the name of the guy again i'm not attached to any of these men because i know they're not gonna win there was one guy that she was talking to one-on-one and she started crying because she was yeah. saying, thank you so much for reaching out to me. You were the only man that did that. And was explaining how he broke the rules to do that and how she just really appreciated it. And like, she really needed that at the time. And I was like, homegirl, I mean. It was so dramatic. It was great that she thanked <laughs> him. I appreciate that. But the fact that she started crying yeah. and was like, you broke the rules for me. I'm like, don't you have any like friends that you could lean on for that? Like, why do you no. need one of these random dudes that you don't even know yet? You don't even know him. He could be a psychopath. And you're like, that means so much. Like, lean on other people at this difficult time. No, I'm going to make the assessment that she really stepped into the character you know she's really she's really in there she's deep so we'll see what happens but overall it was a it was an okay premiere I wasn't you know we thought there was going to be a lot of tea we thought they'd you know we were excited to see how they handled the Tasha situation maybe there'd be a huge bombshell with one of the guys and there just wasn't and it, it was fine it was okay you know it was like you said it was interesting to see how they did address that they're going to be including a new Bachelorette at some point, but Mm -hmm. it just didn't deliver the amount of drama that I wanted it to. No, agreed. I have one piece of homework before we move on to our next topic. I want to know if anybody knows off the top of their head or if they've seen an article or if they just have the facts on this, because I need answers. Has anyone in all however many seasons, 20-something seasons of the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise, 
has any single one contestant won the final rose that exited the limo using some sort of shtick, whether it be a shark costume or a straight jacket or a farting ring. <laughs> I would love to know because it seems like from Wait, my memory, great question. It seems like from my memory that everybody that's ever won was like the beautiful one that walked out and was perfect and like just, you know, the music turned to like and a choir from the heavens and stuff. A harp, a, a harp player came yeah. out. Yeah. The or the bachelor. So just, I'm putting that out there. Like, I don't want to talk about it because we don't have the facts. But if you have the facts, DM us because I want to know. And we'll, we'll give you a shout out. Perfect. All right, moving on to the next story of the day. So as part of Miley's rebooted Backyard session series with MTV, it's also called MTV Unplugged, Miley Cyrus and Noah Cyrus performed Noah's song, I got so high that I saw Jesus, and it was incredible. I didn't know that that was Noah's song, actually. I Me either. I, when I was listening to it, I thought that it was some song from the 70s or something. Like, I thought that it was some old song, and I was like, that's beautiful. But also, before I watched the video, I think I saw Miley's caption, or it was either a caption or an Instagram story, and she said, we got so high that we saw Jesus. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, they're okay, we get it. You smoke. Like, cool. But then I realized that was the name of the song. And then I watched the video and I was like, oh, this is a lyric. So now this in itself isn't much of a story, but it really sparked my mind and my curiosity about Miley because she is currently entering a resurgence thanks to TikTok. Um, it all started with that video of her singing Heart of Glass. It's like all over TikTok. Everyone's using it as a sound. Everyone's like totally simping her because she is, they're like, holy shit, Miley should be a rock star. She should have a rock album. Like, what the fuck? Her voice was made for this. And I'm intrigued. I'm fascinated because she's kind of stayed low key for the last couple of years. Like she's always been a super, you know, star like one of the most famous celebrities, certainly of our generation, but also just in this year. But it just brings me back. I was watching this video of Miley and Noah singing, I got so high that I saw Jesus. And Miley's rocking her kind of mullet hairstyle. Noah has tattoos up her hand, her long nails. Like they both look so cool and good. But when Miley first cut her hair, back in the wrecking ball days, how controversial it was, how shocking it was, how we all were like, oh, she's just having a phase. Like the night and day difference between the long hair, like the last song, Hannah Montana Miley, and like the new and improved Miley Cyrus, the bangers edition. Like I just, it's so funny how now, and I'm glad for it, I'm glad that she's receiving all this praise for being like a badass fucking bitch. But then I think back to all the fucking hate she got also from being a Disney star. But I just, I, I was appalled. I was, I was listening to this video and I was just like having a whole entire montage of Miley's history. And I feel like she's finally at a place where she's accepted for who she is. And it's like crazy how fucking long that took. And it's also crazy because she is... 27 years old and this woman has been she's probably experienced more in her 27 years on this planet than 
any anybody else will ever experience in their entire lifetime. Yeah, it feels like she's gone through at least seven different lifetimes from yeah. when we first started watching her on Hannah Montana. And it is crazy because I think she was, at least in my mind, I'm not going to say that she's the OG here, but in my mind, she was definitely the first Disney Channel star that had that you know, breakdown that everybody was calling and, oh, she's, you know, she's really gone off the rails and, you know, she's yeah. off the deep end now and da, da, da. I think she was sort of the first one. And then obviously a lot of, a lot of people came after that, but at least in my mind, I remember being, you know, shocked and seeing on all the magazines of the grocery stores, like Miley unhinged, like the twerking. Yes. Oh my God. The foam finger. Yes. Oh my god, the Banners era. I'm in the club, high off perk, with my shades on. <laughs> no, and I I mean, I remember being, like, straight up disappointed. Me and too. Not, not in her, like, I'm not like, oh, Miley, you're a disappointment. But it, and we were young, like, it wasn't that deep. But it was just a disappointment, like, oh, we're losing this person that is, like, so important to our childhood. I'm, let me look at what year Bangers came out. I listened to that album a couple weeks ago, and I was taken back. It was truly a time-traveling experience because, and I just, I forgot how many insane songs are on that album until I listened to it again. It released in 2013, so we would have been like juniors-ish in high school. Oh, wow. that, That feels about right because that was, like, I was still watching Disney Channel, like, up until about then, honestly. <laughs> 100%. Hannah Montana changed my life. It really did. That was my, by far, my favorite show growing up. I don't know. There were so many to choose from, but it was definitely one where if it was on, I would watch it for sure. And so I remember just being like, oh, so no more Hannah Montana, like no more movies like The Last Song. What other movies was she in? Googling it. She was in, oh gosh, I guess she wasn't in, she was in Bolt. What was that? That movie about that dog? <laughs> what? No, honestly, though, I wasn't sad about that. I wasn't sad about, oh, she's probably done acting. Because when I watched the last song, I mean, I think when I saw it for the first time in my prime, I loved it. I was so captivated by it. But I rewatched it. Didn't we rewatch it together when we lived together? Maybe. I'm sure we did. It's such a classic. I yeah. would rewatch that over and over. Yeah, and we were feeling, I think it was when Miley and Liam were getting married. So we were like, oh, let's watch the start of their love story, da da da. And don't get me wrong, it's still a great movie and I would still watch it any day of the week. But her acting is trash. Her acting in the last song is on the wrong side. Miley <laughs> is never on the wrong side, but it is the pouts in that movie. Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's bad, but it's still a classic. And. Yeah. That was the fucking birth of her relationship with, what's his face? Is it Liam? Liam? Yeah, Liam. And that was a whole thing, like her whole relationship with Liam. And then when she like changed her entire vibe, everyone was like, oh, like what about Liam? Like that's not what he wants and all this shit. I don't know. It's just, I'm really glad she's at a place where she's fully accepted. Everybody fully fucking stands her. I just, um, a couple weeks ago, we might've talked about it. Yeah, we did. Miley on Joe Rogan. Yeah. So funny. So smart. She has such a personality, and I was so glad that she wasn't afraid to show it. And I don't know. I'm just really happy for her. And it's cool that her whole family just seems to have come into their own. Like, all of them were kind of meant to go down this path of just being really – What do you? how do you describe it? It's not a path. I don't want to say, like, she's going on this path. Like, it's, like, a negative thing. It's totally – but you can – they embody a, a certain – 
vibe. Yeah, I mean, they're sort of old-fashioned, but just, like, classic, you know? Oh, my God, my dog just bolted through the door. That was why the time you heard a door creaking open. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're classic and sort of timeless, but also they're just so edgy and cool, and they're trailblazers. They are, and that, going back to that video of Miley and Noah singing, I just had chills up and down my body, and it sounded like their their voices are so similar. It literally just sounds like, it was the same person that re-recorded a harmony over the other. And they're both so talented. And Miley is capitalizing on this TikTok thing. Like every other day there's a there's a post of her singing some sort of rock throwback song. And everyone's like, we need the rock album now. And I'm like, I agree. No, she needs to put out an album, either a rock album or like everybody has been asking. She needs to just put out an album of her covers. She yeah. is queen of covers. Like she nobody nobody does covers better than Miley. But <laughs> no, for real, she's amazing. And it's like she can make so many songs that you would think could never be covered sound 20 times better than the original, even when yeah. the original is a classic. Oh my God, Ruby, Ruby, she'd be whining. Emily just muted herself. It's okay. She can be in the pod. God, I'm sorry. She just, she loves the spotlight. I get it. I do too. So yeah, basically, oh, and also side note, I once rode in an elevator with Noah Cyrus and she was really cool. You did? Yeah, I was freaking out. She seems really cool, but I worry about her affiliation with Tana Monjo because she's problematic, but it's okay. All right, well, shall we move into the next and final topic? Let's do it. So last week, paparazzi photos of Billie Eilish were published in which she's wearing shorts and a tank top. Let me just reemphasize that. Literally just shorts and a tank top. And inevitably, people on Twitter decided it was important to dissect that, including one person who tweeted, in 10 months, Billie Eilish has developed a mid-30s wine mom body. Eilish has been vocal in the past about why she wears clothes, quote, 800 sizes bigger than she actually is. Quote, it kind of gives nobody the opportunity to judge what your body looks like. I don't want to give anyone the excuse of judging, she told Vogue Australia in 2019. Anything you look at, you judge. In May, Eilish released a short film that she also used while on tour titled Not My Responsibility. In it, she slowly undresses while talking about perceptions around her body. If I wear what's comfortable, I'm not a woman. If I shed the layers, I am a slut, she says. Though you've never seen my body, you still judge it and judge me for it. Why? In a 2019 Calvin Klein ad... She said, I never want the world to know anything, everything about me for the campaign. I mean, that's why I wear big baggy clothes. Nobody can have an opinion because that, because they haven't seen what's underneath, you know? Nobody can be like, oh, she's slim thick. She's not slim thick. She's got a flat ass. She has a fat ass. No one can say any of that because they don't know. On Instagram, after these photos of her went viral, Eilish reposted influencer cheesy doers TikTok about body image. Guts are normal. Boobs sag, especially after breastfeeding. Instagram isn't real, Duru says. And I think we just wanted to talk about this because it's very similar to our discussion about Adele and all of her weight loss and stuff, which is just like people having, feeling they have the right to discuss other women's bodies. And I will say it was surprising seeing that photo everywhere because we don't, it's just not typical for us to see Eilish in, you know, tight fitting clothing. And the reason we already knew was from all of these things that she's mentioned, she's very open about the fact that she just doesn't want people talking about her body. Like, I don't, she's never even said like, I'm insecure. I don't like my body. It's just like, I don't want to give people the liberty to talk about it. So I'm going to wear oversized clothes so that people don't know what's underneath, which is actually really sad (laughs) because she's incredibly young. 
I will say that when I saw that paparazzi photo, I only had seen it like on my Twitter feed. And I remember just thinking, oh God, like here it comes. I already knew that there's going to be so much people, so many people talking about this because she doesn't ever look like that. And so that in itself, I understand can be a talking point like, oh, we've never seen her come out in tight fitting clothing. But then there were just so many comments about, oh, her body, like, oh, quarantine, like really got a hold of her, all this kind of stuff. She's literally beautiful. Like her body is incredible. But even so, like it's not anyone's liberty. She's made it clear. We're not talking about my body. I don't want that. So like, please respect that. It's insane because first of all, I'm just coming with the facts on every celebrity age today. She's 18 years old. So first of all, this is just... Okay. <laughs> You've got like, okay, chill. Ruby's pissed about it too. She's saying everybody back off. Like, Essentially, it makes me mad because she's 18 years old. So, okay. No, this is good. <laughs> Hold on. You're going away. It's crazy because Emily is literally scratching Ruby. Like she's just sitting in her lap and it's not enough. She doesn't have her full attention. So it's just not good enough. Yeah, I'm literally, I was petting her and she was sitting down. I'm like, what more do you want from me? I don't have anything else to do. (laughs) Okay, so essentially Ruby was confirming that everybody that's hating on Billie Eilish is on the wrong side because she's 18 years old. So let's just A, not talk about her body, even regardless of whether she's wearing tight fitting or baggy clothing. And second of all, yeah, she's not asking for much. She's not saying, oh, I'm insecure. I don't want, you know, I don't like people looking at this on my body or blah, blah, blah. She just wants people to focus on her music and her talent. And is that so much to ask for? Like, it's, yeah. it's disgusting and disturbing that she even has to worry about wearing baggy clothing so people don't comment. Like, just focus on her music, focus on her talent. That is enough. And let me just say, obviously, everybody that's shitting on her is on the wrong side here. But who is on the wrong side the most, in my opinion? The Daily Mail. The Daily Mail can rot in hell. I want that thing to go out of business. I want it to be the Daily Mail. It, I mean, it will, it will always be around. There's no way that we'd ever get lucky enough for it to actually disappear. But one day, it, I forget the headline, but it was something like, Billy, like, looking large or look, you know, it's like this disgusting caption, this nasty headline. And then the next day, it, its headline was, Billy explains why people shouldn't, or Billy points out why people shouldn't be hating on her body. And I'm like, you're the problem. Like you're the one posting that picture of her with a shitty headline. And then you're coming back the next day, 24 hours later being like, wow, you know, body shamers need to stop. Like you are the body shamer. You're the enabler. I hate the daily mail. No, those initial posts are what give people, many people the liberty to say, oh, if that's what people think, then I'm going to insert my opinion about her body too. Like, it's fucked up. I fucking hate the Daily Mail. I stopped looking at Snapchat, what's it called? Snapchat stories. Stories? Yeah. Like, news conglomerates on Snapchat because they're all just clickbait trying to get you to click on their shit and none of it is (laughs) journalism. It's It's mostly just women hating, so I'm not here for it. No, all Snapchat stories are on the wrong side. Yeah, the, the clickbait that they use is so, so sad. Yeah, and it's weird how it's always focused on, like, the same three people. I don't know. It's it's not chill for me. I mean, that's really all we had to say. Like, I don't have anything to say about her body other than that you can do whatever the hell you want with it, and I respect you, okay? I love you, Billy. I actually don't really – Billy is, like, Gen Z's icon. I feel kind of disconnected from the Billy stands, um, but I do like, – <laughs> 
I love her music, but I'm like, I can't, I'm too old for this. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't that sad to feel that way? At it is. It's the first time I have felt like this. I actually, um, it's crazy because she's one of the people where, you know how there's a lot of famous people where it's like, oh, I don't get the hype. With Billy, it's like, I totally get the hype, but I don't feel it myself, which is very, it's a very interesting place to be. Like, I'm just, that's me trying to stay hip with the Gen Zers. Which is what this podcast is all about. Oh my God. One day we should just, we just need to talk about the Gen Zers because did you hear about that trend where um, yoga pants are coming back in style, but they're calling them flare leggings? Flared leggings. It kills me. Also, don't bring them back. Don't bring Emily, put her away. Oh my god, she doesn't deserve you. She literally shot. Oh, she's mad at you. No, this is what she does. She sits under this desk and she. I'm not even. Ruby, stop it. She sits under the desk and just stares at the wall. That's all she's doing. Come on. It's okay, Ruby. We're done. We were just talking about Gen Zers. Does she support flare leggings? No. Honestly, I'm into it. I miss those days. I actually saw, like, Lululemon is selling that style again, but I wouldn't call it flair. I'd call it boot cut, but either way, I almost bought a pair, and then I was like, no, this is straight out of the early 2010s, and I'm not going to be a part of it. I'm so sorry for that interruption. You know, I think she just feels really passionate about the wrong side and wanted to, wanted to give her thoughts way in a little bit. It's ironic because Ruby's on the wrong side. I know. This is not her first appearance. Like, she's really desperate to be a guest. No, Ruby's problematic. She is. She is. We'll feature Lola next time. And Lenny. Lola and Lenny. Yeah, but Lenny doesn't make noise because he's a good boy. No, but he did on one of our early episodes that we didn't ever publish. He did. All right. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into another episode. We had a great time. I'm looking forward to lots of more batch recaps down the road. It's probably going to be consuming my life, and that's what I need. I need something to consume my life that isn't coronavirus. No, anything. And also, we hope that this sound quality has been 20 times better. Thank you all. If you listened to the last episode, especially with headphones, bless your soul. We will never do you like that again. I mean, we might. I can't make that promise, but we'll always be extremely transparent with you. If anybody knows an audio engineer, let us know. We're willing to pay the big bucks. We're willing to pay. I was going to say an audio engineer who's willing to work for no money. (laughs) If there's an aspiring audio engineer who's looking for an unpaid Unpaid internship, internship. DM us. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Bye.